0: Uh, guys, is this on recording right now? Yeah, we'll record right now. Start whenever you want. So you're, you're basically, you're basically you're like handing over this to me right in the middle of the podcast. Dave Fitch here. Welcome to the Theology on Mission podcast, coming to you from Northern Seminary, Chicago, from the <laughs> Griffith Conference Room. And uh host call likes to talk about the weather. It's gloomy. It's like cloudy, it's raining, it's like I'm, 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 I'm kind of worried about a tornado right now.
1: It's like but, Mother Nature thinks that we forgot what rain was, and so it has, has given us a bunch of rain, forever and ever. How about we've forgotten about sun? Who would like to
0: see sun? I would like to see sun. Is that your attempted humor? Anyways, folks, yeah. uh, theology on mission, not theology in, uh, well, not theology and mission, theology on mission. And today we're talking about the subject of mutual submission, how... Uh, how we lead together um, in groups uh, and taking the hierarchy out of leadership. You want to start with? uh, Well,
1: we could, you
0: know, so there's lots of different
1: ways we can get at this. One is speaking specifically of leadership and how do we lead churches and how do we go about those processes. Now, we don't want to start at that level because sometimes that can charge us. So what we're going to be talking about today could happen amongst friends. It could happen in small groups. In groups of accountability triads as we call them, in different so this can happen at any level. Uh, but and what and is the course, process? Of course, in marriage. And, oh yes, and certainly in marriage. Uh, and so when Paul, you know, at, tells us to submit to one another, what does that mean? How does that, right. does that look like? Yeah. So that's the issue before us. But there's a there's a there's a
0: loaded word here. What's yeah, the, loaded the word, word? The word submit is a is a dirty word. The the word submit, like if you if if, if a man were to say that to a woman. That would be the most, the biggest turnoff imaginable of all time, right? Misogyny, patriarchal uh, dominance. And and yet there's a history of abuse in the word. There's a history of patriarchy in the word, misogyny in the word. And so uh, ideally we would invent another word, except that the scripture keeps using this word. So um, what I would like to say here is that we need to um, think about submission only in terms of mutual submission. Subordination. We need to think about subordination only in terms of what Yoder called revolutionary subordination. So what does that mean? That means, you know, the heading of the household codes in Ephesians chapter 5, you have Ephesians 5.20, uh, submit yourselves one to another in reverence to Christ or in submission to the authority and reign of Christ over your lives. And that's where it all starts. Um, Yeah. So for
1: us, it starts with the sense of community. This isn't something that one person does to another person, but it's something everyone does to everyone else as a way of
0: being a community that's different. And a recognition that Christ is present among us and working among us and between us, and that we can trust this space, and that we can submit to one another, and that we are always... In need of wisdom and truth from somebody else speaking into our lives it should always we should always submit in thankfulness I'm so glad you taught me you, you told me that about myself or you told me about that thing that I wasn't seeing in relation to this leadership issue or whatever we're talking about because together we are in Christ and moving for the future so that's the idea of mutual submission as a principle of leadership in the church now, when we've talked about
1: this before, um, the people, you know, as we try to lead churches and things, um, there, there is this sense that we're calling people to submit to us and that we're submitting to them, which is on one level true, but the ultimate uh, theological assumption that we have, which you mentioned briefly, is that, well, really, we're called to submit to Christ. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is Lord of all. Christ is in control. But as Lord, he also came as a servant. As uh, Philippians 2 indicate, says, you know, being in the very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to be held on to, or as some would say, to be used for his own advantage. But rather, he humbled himself, took on the form of a human being, but ultimately he took on the form. Of a servant, and so Christ, who is the head of the church, who is the Lord, but also the humble servant, is the one that we ultimately submit to. And so, in submitting to one another, we have this—we have this, we have this uh, sense that we're submit—we're actually submitting to Christ. And so, we're calling people to submit to Christ in the power of the Spirit. Right. right?
0: So, so uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are given uh, in Ephesians chapter four. Uh, Jesus ascends. He ascends. He sits at the right hand, and the gifts are given. From above, he gives gifts, but he gives multiple gifts. And, and and we are, so no gift is independently set up above all the others, but all of them are under, operate together in mutual submission under one Lord. That's the idea of mutual leadership, mutual submission and leadership in the church. And so the son has been given, the spirit has
1: been given to the church, and all these gifts need to be working for the edification, for the growth, and for the maturity of all and not one gift or person can dominate the group, but it's it's something that's all working together. And yet there are certain people who help facilitate that have been gifted and called and ordained for certain roles of facilitating this work of the Spirit to seek and to submit to Christ. Right. So uh,
0: like um, you know one of the other principles of mutual submission is is that the leader who is most perceived in power goes first. And submits first. Um, So Jesus, around the table, Luke 22, when the disciples are arguing who's going to who's going to have a posture of power, who's going to be in power over the other person, Jesus says, "It's not so among you. It might be like that among the Gentiles, not so among you." And then he models, at least in the Johannine account, he models that submission first by washing the disciples' feet. This a great act of humility and service of which he shocks the disciples into seeing that, hey, this is the way we shall lead. And so often in a meeting, when I'm pastoring, I'm the one who has to go first. I have to either confess my sins first, um, if it's an issue of sin and and a problem of disagreement among us, or I have to submit to you first. I see this and this and this happening. I submit to you. What do you think? And out of that mutual submission, the other person can submit, and together we learn and grow and sense and discern what God is doing among us, and we go forward. So uh,
1: the sense of, I submit this to you, what is, the, what is the conviction, or like, why say it in that way? Why well, submit this to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, so so there's some phrases that get a little tired, but yet they're they're instructive. Uh, and, and over at Life of the Vine, you may remember that the, the words that became kind of redundant, but also became the the magic words, if you will, I submit to you. And I, I think, despite, you know, how redundant they get and how, uh, you know, it, it, we need, they someone might even say, oh, you're not sincere. I think the words I submit to you are the ones which takes the edge off and opens the space for the Holy Spirit to work and create conversation. So I, I will always say, like when we're in the meeting, there's a pastor over here, there's an evangelist over here, there's an apostle figure over here, there's a teacher and a preacher and and, and an administrator who often is the teacher and, and, and we're dealing with an issue. And I will say when say the evangelist is talking about a problem of engaging the community I will uh, uh, people will say, well this isn't leadership because we're just submitting one to another oh well, I disagree. Evangelist, you need to make a proposal and then say out of your giftedness and your insight and your particular uh, acuity to seeing the issues, you need to make a proposal. I propose we need to do A, B, and C. We need to have a picnic in the neighborhood where all these people are gathering. We need to invite our friends and be present there and open our lives to relationships there. I submit to you. And then that opens up the conversation. And I'll often say, do you have a proposal? Because we still lead, we still make proposals, but we submit them for the fleshing out the weaknesses, the strengths. All that might go into actually uh, implementing the proposal and taking and allowing it to take on flesh and change and grow with what the what the actual community needs to do and going forward. So there is leadership, but the the words I submit to you actually open the space for that leadership to take on flesh and move the community into discernible action uh, going forward. And in practice,
1: this is uh, it helps because you're still being honest about your convictions. So you're expressing what you see and believe and feel about the situation. So offering leadership, you're having kind of open communication. Um, But then by saying, I submit this, there's a sense two things. One is is that um, just because you are seeing this, that doesn't mean it's all of the work that God is doing. And so we actually need all of the gifts at work in the body to, to get a full picture of what God might be calling a group or people, a church into at that moment. And so by saying, I submit this to you, that's, that's with open hand saying, well, this is my part that I'm bringing and that I have to bring because the spirit is in me and uh, uh, compelling me to be passionate and urgent about these things that I'm seeing for the edification of the whole group. But on the other hand, it's also saying in an open hand sense, I have sin in my life, Maybe my ego's wrapped up in this. Maybe um, I've fallen into old patterns and this is just my go-to place. And so I submit this to you because maybe this is, there's sin wrapped up into it and you can help me do that, right? And so there's this sense of the whole work of God needs to hear all the gifts, but then also the sense of, hey, we're still working this out together and we have sin that's wrapped up in who we are. So I submit this to you. Mutual submission is a way of doing those two things, of piecing together the whole counsel of God, if we want to speak that way, but then also acknowledging that we have sinful tendencies that might be, you know,
0: working their way out in that moment. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, so so for me, typically, uh uh, just to admit my own weaknesses in front of uh, however many people listening, millions and millions, so, uh, all two of you that are listening right now. Uh, you know, I'm I'm typically functioning in the apostolic role. I mean, I'm I'm very impatient. I think we should be doing this. I can't stand that this and this and this isn't happening the way it should be happening. You know, blah blah blah, and, and a lot of it can be wrapped up with humor. Uh, on the other hand, on the other side of the table, there's there's Ty Gregg, uh, the pastor, or, the, or Lisa, the pastor, you know. And, and uh, in these meetings, the pastor becomes the counterbalancing force. Well, Dave, are you taking into account this person and this feeling and this issue and this hurting person when you think we should, like, you know, roll out... Uh, um, let's see. Let me give you an example. Uh, when you when you think that we ought to get the sign uh, uh, up and, and lights installed and and what do you call those uh, those uh, disco balls, strobe lights, whatever? <laughs> uh, take <you> know, <laughs> into account the neighbor who might be disturbed in their sleep with your sign that you want to advertise that we're doing this concert to uh, raise funds and 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 gain participation in the neighborhood against uh, trafficking. Uh, you know, sex trafficking in the world, uh, you know, no, forget that person. You know, the pastor or the evangelist is going to say, well, how does this affect our neighborhood? And they help me see that maybe this isn't the best way to engage. This interaction between the apostle and the pastor often bugs me, drives me crazy. They're getting in my way, but actually they're preventing me from doing damage. To people's lives because I don't always have that in my immediate sight lines this is the way the body works and actually knowing my weaknesses and knowing their strengths and vice versa helps the body move forward in ways that are more uh holistic and take on flesh and engage the fullness of what Christ wants to do in the world and so that can be difficult that
1: can take time Frustrating for people, so but that that's can all, be
0: very inefficient. It can be which inefficient, is one of my complaints. It's, it
1: can be inefficient, uh, as, as you used to always say, you know, we're a small church, we can't do everything. Um, it's part of working it out together. So, uh, but inefficiency is one. What are some of the other weaknesses uh, of this practice, uh, tendencies that it can fall into and degenerate into? Uh,
0: well. Uh, one of the problems is that people think that mutual submission, multiple leadership, uh, is democracy. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Right. In fact, it's not everybody gets a vote. It's like I don't get to... Uh, um, I work out of my strengths. The teacher works out of his or her strengths. The pastor works out of his or her strengths. And, and it's our giftedness that is elevated to its authority in the community and recognized and so it's the gifts at work. It's not a democracy. It's not a monarchy or a patriarchy. It is a pneumatocracy. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. And, and so some, but everybody's important. Some people might have a larger voice or a louder voice uh, than others. But um, that doesn't mean they're more important. And so I think sometimes it devolves in democracy. That's what I was saying earlier when I say, do you, like often I'll be in a meeting, and I go, do you have a proposal? Because I want the pastor to lead out of his or her gifts, or I want, you know, the evangelist to lead out of his or her gifts, or the teacher. Uh, everybody's got to lead, but then submit, and and so that's an important part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think um, for people like us, uh, you and I especially, who are very uh, self confident, more than willing to throw things out there and see how it sticks, this sense of mutual submission may be. Is both good sanctification work, but also comes naturally because we're more prone to saying what we think, anyways. Um, but it can be difficult for people who have who have uh, been raised in different uh, communicative environments uh, to really offer themselves in that way. And so I think sometimes we've run into trouble to figuring out, well, how do we best facilitate this kind of mutual submission to people for whom you know culturally or just life history wise, this is a very different place. Um, that they're coming from. I think another, uh, uh, this isn't a problem, but this is, we've seen this happen quite a bit, is people will come into a situation in which others are practicing mutual submission and trying to discern in community how the spirit is leading. Um, and they'll come in and they'll look and they'll be like, there's no leadership here. Right. I'm gonna, I, I'll take over and I'll give leadership because I don't see any leaders. But for them, their understanding of leadership is so different that it's more of a, a, a not. A, I was going to say command and control, but that's much too, you know, Uh, it's putting down that but but people who you know seek order like to be directive need um, you know things to be spelled out and, and a little bit clearer it can feel very disorienting, and so I think sometimes communication about what's going on there needs to be a lot more of it. Right. Otherwise, people feel lost; so they don't know what's happening. I know I've 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 done that a lot, where I'm thinking of mutual submission all the time and trying to practice this, but other people are like, I don't I don't even know what's going on. Where are we? What are we doing? And so I've learned that there needs to be a lot more. I'm still learning, in fact. There's still there needs to be a lot more communication about what this means and why
0: how right. does this function. Well, so there's a, there's a reverse side to that issue of leadership. Like I was saying, sometimes the people aren't leading. They're just having a conversation. I go, do you have a proposal? But there's the other side to that coin as well, is that the, con- the community needs to submit to those in their respective gift areas, or otherwise the community won't move forward. If, we're continu- if everyone's a teacher, no one's a teacher. We need to respect and honor and, and submit to the, those who have been given teaching gifts to trust them in teaching us. Not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody is an apostle. Not everybody's a pastor. I remember times when you said, Dave, you're not a pastor, and it used to bug me because I, <laughs> I thought I was a pastor. I still think I can be a pastor when, if need be, uh, be a pastor. I would like to be a pastor. But the point of the matter is, um, uh, when, we, when there's a good pastor in our midst who is, is really gifted in that area, I just need to step back and allow that person to speak pastorally into the situation and, and lead us and then mutually submit and, and move us forward into the kingdom. Excellent. Well, and
1: this, is, this is a topic or an idea that uh, listening to a podcast or reading a book upon uh, does not help as much as you think. Um, it's something you have to live out regularly.
0: So I submit to you that I think we're done with this segment. Well, we can't make these things longer. People are going to get bored, trust me. I'm kind of bored right now. <laughs> Sorry, <thanks. laughs>
1: So moving right along, we'd like to touch base and keep you accountable for the things you say. This is Fitch versus Fitch. And we're going to keep this creative. That's good. And you don't even know how we're going to keep this creative. Last Friday, we said, the key to discerning God's active mission and Christ's presence in the world is the Eucharist, the Lord's table. How does this not make us sound like high church idealist thoughts?
0: Yeah, and, I, and I've been, you know... Uh, over there at the uh, practice at Willow Creek I was speaking about this and there's, I think that's on I think that's another podcast that's available out there uh, but in in short what I'm just trying to say is that when we come to the table to discern uh, his presence at work, the logic of the table the forgiveness, the reconciliation the renewal of all things by the Holy Spirit and we are opening ourselves up with thanksgiving, receiving from God what he'd have for us, this posture of discerning and submitting and quieting my ego and ceasing the striving and being open in thankfulness to God and and understanding and receiving forgiveness and reconciliation one with another in and through Christ and and even the healing of the holy spirit and the renewal of the rela- of the new covenant in his blood those dynamics that we get trained into when we go out into the world and we're, we're eating anywhere or in our homes or in our neighborhoods and we're sitting around a table with someone, we can do the same thing there. It's an, what I call an extension of the table. It is not the institution of the Lord's table, the formal institution. It is the extension from there to discerning God's work in the world and his presence around tables in McDonald's, in Starbucks, at the workplace, uh, in the mom's groups in the neighborhood when they're with with the, with the young children. Uh, not to stereotype and say that's only moms, but it's often moms. Any place we gather to share a beverage, a, a snack, a meal, a lunch, we can discern Christ's presence in the world because we're paying attention. We're tending to the Eucharist. That's what I meant. Alright, well
1: these fitch versus fitches are coming uh, becoming an excuse for you to, to preach. Rant, rant and rave preaching, just like Facebook. Keep it going. Alright, so uh, next next little segment here. Hold next on. segment. What are you reading? So I've been reading The Lost World of Adam and Eve oh, by John. Ger- you're, you're in trouble. Walton, The Lost World of Adam and Eve. Uh heresy, it's, it's, heresy alert. No, no, no. He was really trying to take the different issues of the science of human origins. The understanding of um, Adam and Eve in the scripture, where does sin and the fall uh, come from? What, how are all those stories related in Genesis 2 and 3 particularly? Um, or rather, how, how have they become so related that maybe they don't need to? Maybe the biblical text is not holding these things together, uh, Adam and Eve, the fall. Uh, so anyways, I've been blogging about it uh, a little bit on Northern's blog. Uh, it's been very stimulating, just food uh, for thoughts, So I recommend yeah, it. Yeah, and for this people. is a
0: hot topic these days, isn't it? I don't know why. I don't know why people are obsessed with this historical Adam question, uh, but I do. Uh, Living in a certain part of the evangelical world, I see why it comes up, and so this book's very helpful. I, I is it, this is I read his book prior to this. The it? Lost
1: World of Genesis One
0: was yeah. also quite excellent. Yeah. And, and what I I just want to recommend uh, Stanley Howarth wrote a book uh, three or four years ago War and the American Difference and, and uh, even if you're not into war or I mean no one's into war sorry that was, that was a slip there even if you're not into the question of just war or the legitimacy of pacifism there's an article in here on uh, a, it's called A Particular Place it's about the theology of place and particularity I am into this theology place I am into the particularity, the Christological significance of that God takes up residence in a place. I found this very helpful. I found it, as Hauerwas often does, it's really helpful on the focus of theology in place, and that's all I'm going to say, because he's giving me the uh, cut sign here. Okay. Yeah, cut it out. It hey, why don't you do
1: the conclusion there?
0: Well, that's it, it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Let us know what you think. We should talk <laughs> about, uh, we should talk about, oh, oh, oh. excuse me. Let us know what <laughs> you think we should talk about over at our Theology on Mission Facebook page. And you can follow Dave and I, I mean Jeff and I, on Facebook and Twitter. He's at Fitchist, and uh, I am uh, at yeah. Jeff Holzfaw. <laughs> well, that didn't go too well, but we're signing off. Uh, Until next time. You're fired. I'm Dave, Dave Fitch. I'm Dave Fitch. I'm Dave Fitch. You're Jeff Holz. Talk to you later. <laughs>